0: Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes, and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, if you're one of those people, I'm you one of those
1: people, I am.
0: I thanks so much for one. coming back. <laughs> but for everyone else out there who's new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer, soda, water, coffee, tea in the fridge. Cheers. Yes. All right, it is a sweaty Thursday in Pittsburgh, PA. Yeah, real sweaty. And I am sitting here today with, hold on one second, let's do a glug glug. I'm sitting here today with someone who I just met a couple minutes ago.
1: Yeah, near minutes.
0: (laughs) This is another episode of Strangers in My House. Everybody make some noise for my new friend, Lance Parkin. (laughs) Too kind, too kind. Yeah, Everyone's coming. happy that you're here. I'm happy I'm here. I'm happy that you're here. Why are you here?
1: Uh I guess I just like talking about creativity. So, cool. You know, I had a movie come out recently. So I just wanted to I know and I think we have a mutual friends in what the Neon Brainiacs. I'm mm-hmm. sure that's where our, our midpoint is. And I just I liked your show. So I want to get on it, I like what you talk about on it.
0: So cool, man. Well, thank you for coming by. I sought you out. So you are a filmmaker? Yeah. Um, and um, a human being on planet earth. Is there anything else you want to add, add to the resume yeah. there? <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah. I mean, uh, mostly these days filmmaking uh, I used to be a cartoonist back in the day, but I've been a filmmaker for about eight years now. I used to run film festivals in the city, but I have, I have take, doing that because you know, it takes a lot of work and I liked giving back to the community, but at a certain point you just got to focus on your aspirations yourself and yeah, make it yeah. happen. You know? Yeah.
0: As, as somebody that, does a podcast that i consider quitting at least once a month i understand 100 percent.
1: yeah you got your because you have plenty other obligations too on top of it you know yeah
0: yeah yeah but like none of it is important which makes me feel like yeah fuck it like that's fine i could do this it's not a big deal yeah but also it's not important so it's like why yeah i don't know that's the creative struggle i've been going through oh really like yeah you don't find it important Um, not the podcast. No. Why not? I, but I know that's wrong because people hit me up all the time and they tell me that they enjoy it. Yeah. Which helps. You're like what? 400 deep now or something. Yeah. You, this, you'll be episode 402. Oh
1: really? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a
0: hell of a, yeah. You know, I don't know what it is. Maybe we can get start here. You know, it's the, the, the creative, the creative mind. I find that I overanalyze things. It's like my creativity getting the best of me. I always think of like the worst case scenarios and overanalyze everything instead of just letting things be, which I, I try to do, which is why I'm still doing the podcast. But yeah, I don't know. I still get those feelings of like, why? Why should I do this? Well,
1: like, is that really, when you say you overanalyze it, is it you just don't like, how do you overanalyze it? Like, what do you mean by like, why? Like,
0: I think that, you know, Sometimes I feel like there isn't anybody listening, but then people hit me up that tell me they listen. I'm like, oh, okay, people are listening. Yeah. I just get in my own head. Like, nothing's ever good enough. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, you get, that. you get, uh, you know, <laughs> you buy one camera and all of a sudden it's like, all I wanted was one camera, right? I just fought for one camera. Then I got one camera. The next thing it's like, well, yeah. I need two cameras, now. Two cameras. <laughs> and then I need fuck, you know, it's then like, you got lights. And yeah. Then nothing, got... nothing is ever enough, but I, you know, this less about me, more about you. How do you deal with just the struggles of the, the, the negatives of being creative? Let's start there because it's, there's no reason for us to do this shit other than our own selfish desire. Right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I think
1: expression is a necessary component to being a happy person. I feel like, I feel like, Oh, that's deep. Yeah. Like I, I, uh, I, I don't know if I would write it off so easily as to say it is like a selfish desire as much as it's a necessary thing that I think we all have to do. And I think when people don't adequately express themselves or if they don't, um, if they don't if they don't take the time to examine their experience as a person and the things around them and how they feel about it or say things they want to say, it leads to, I think, a lot of the unhappiness and toxic behaviors we see around us because whether it's people holding them down or people holding themselves down, you know, like I just feel like it's it's a pretty necessary thing for all of us that we should try to do, you know. So it's like, I mean, follow those threads, you know, and sometimes they go nowhere and sometimes they go they enrich your life you know but it's like what's important is that you tried you know what i mean like what's important is that you even bothered you know because it's better to bother and fail i think than to like never even try to do it and then just be like you know 65 someday and be like well what would have happened if i tried that you know at least you know what happened when you tried it you know yeah like what's wrong with that you know i mean and I mean, you're, you're doing a podcast for a long time, and I think if you find any sort of audience and it matters to them at all, then it's worth it, right? Like, totally.
0: I think that, again, I get in my own head a lot about like what my expectations of this whole thing are. And I know that it's like really, really absurd, which is why I am still doing a podcast. I always have to kind of like Consistently put myself in check and yeah. be like, be thankful for what you have and be thankful for the circle of people that you have around yeah. you. Because also, it's you like gotta. you know, very hypocritical in the sense where, you know, if a podcast maybe like you know if something I put out doesn't get a lot of attention, I feel bad in some sort of a way. But I feel like I've been like crafted by society to feel bad in that Definitely, way. Yeah. And also on the flip. If like three people text message me at once, it's like the end of the world because I don't, I kind of want to be left alone too. Yeah. So it's like this weird, like, I want people to pay attention to what I'm doing, but I also want people to leave me alone. You but if people leave me alone, I feel bad because I feel like they're not paying attention to me. It's this weird, vicious cycle that I think a lot of it has just been manufactured by, you know, our ding dong cell phones and yeah. everything else, or at least the way that we use the cell phone, not the cell phone itself, you know? Yeah.
1: I mean, however you want to consider that. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, and it's, I mean, there's a entire culture of always on attention, which I think is also pretty toxic, you know, like you need to be able to understand yourself and like time by yourself, you know, but you don't want it to be that way. And, I mean, I don't want to get too insane with how I think about things, but, I mean, why do the people who make these things, they wouldn't want us to not be on all the time because they need to put the ads in front of us, you know what I mean? Yeah. So this culture gets manufactured for us all to, like, always be on. But, you know, you turn it off sometimes, but don't be, like, express yourself, like, put yourself out there in the ways that matter to you, not, you know, like, if you don't want people bothering you all the time, just don't, like, you know, you can be alone. It's okay not to respond for a while, you know? Like, yeah. It's okay to do that because you need that time. But, I mean, expressing yourself creatively through, like, a band or through, like, a movie or through a podcast, like, that's a different type of thing, you know? That's a different way of, like, communicating with society Mm -hmm. or putting yourself out there, you know?
0: The other thing that I've had to, like, really become familiar and comfortable with and recognizing is just, like, how niche of a demographic what I do is for that's important you know this kind of shit isn't for everybody is important yeah yeah yeah. and you know i don't think a lot of people like to have these like self-analyzing conversations where you kind of like beat yourself up for the better which that's not what the show always is but i do do that a lot and i'm also doing it with like creatives in the pittsburgh pa area and it's such a small fucking bubble so it's like how many people Should I expect to
1: really be on board with this in the first place? No, that's true. I mean, that's really true. Um, Healthy (laughs) expectations is important in anything in life. You know, like having a healthy, like a reasonable, rational expectation, you know, because our expectations will always get the better of us because, you know, like it's always... Whether it's, like, you know, cavemen looking into the dark, like, what's out there, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you're going to fantasize anything. You're you're in an open body of water, and you have no idea what's underneath it. You're always going to think it's always, like, the biggest, worst shark, but it could be a bunch of algae, you know what I mean? But having a, having a tangible, like, expectation, like you're saying, like, it's healthy to, like, talk yourself down and be like, you know, this is very niche, like, this sort of conversation on its own is very niche, but then... Like, I'm doing it for a specific demographic and a specific geographic area. You know, like, you're right. Like, you might not get as much. But you, at the same time, you are offering that to those people when perhaps no one else is.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. maybe like, you, know, you know, I I I've, I'm very, I think I'm, like, criminally humble at times. Yeah. Because also, you know, in this realm of arts and entertainment, dog eat dog or however you want to put it you kind of gotta put yourself out there you gotta be on a pedestal you kind of have to be a little a a little arrogance will get you a long way in this realm and i'm just not delusion not that fucking person yeah and i find it like really hard it's like over the past few years of my life i've really like come into being like oh yeah like i grew up an introvert i am an introverted kid but all of my activities are incredibly extroverted activities, playing in bands, doing podcasts, some into things that involve other people. Yeah. But it, like, needs to be the right kind of people in order for me to be comfortable. Otherwise, I'm still, like... I can relate. ...in my shell. Yeah, for sure. I can relate. So, you know, with you and your creative background, you said that you started doing, like, cartooning. You said you were drawing.
1: I did it. Well, I always wanted to do film and and video and movies. I've always wanted to do that. But um, I before when i was in high school i grew up i didn't grow up in pittsburgh i grew up near johnstown right so i grew up in a small mountain town before the digital evolution or you know revolution i mean because i graduated in 03 right so like you know, this stuff wasn't i couldn't you couldn't just go to best buy and buy like a dslr for like a thousand bucks that looks awesome right yeah, yeah it was like the idea that like, you gotta buy film and you gotta do this and you gotta do that like to do things back then like even though we had digital video was you know it's dog shit or whatever like oh yeah Yeah, yeah. so um you couldn't really do it so i i let my parents had always told me you could do whatever you want to do it wasn't my family but you know the school system around me or like the world around me made me believe that that was not a possible dream unless i wanted to go to new york or la which i was not ready for that sort of change right and i just drew as a hobby so i ended up settling for a hobby and be like well it's Better than working in an office somewhere, you know. And it just didn't work. It just I was I was pretty. I had a web comic in the mid 2000s, which was a very popular time for web comics, and I had a following, and I was doing pretty well with it. Honestly, for where I was at and my age, and I don't know. It just not. It just wasn't working for me, you know. I even went on as far as to go to art school, you know. I didn't go to school for film, and it just didn't work for me. I just felt like it. I needed like I needed the um, the movement and the sound and like the the kinetic energy of film versus just like drawing pictures, you know what I mean, doing cartoon and then being a cartoonist and just doing like this like darkly funny webcomic thing that was probably just a ripoff of Jonah Vasquez, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, like sure. really like um, like it was looked very much like Jimmy Hewlett's art from Gorillas and stuff, yeah. Thank Girl and Jonah Vasquez is like Squee comic. Like it looked a lot like the mix of those two things. So I just knew I wasn't being true to myself, you know, underneath it all. So I gave it up, you know, and I felt really lost for like three or four years, just sort of like, what the? What am I doing, dude? And I got involved in film in Pittsburgh through the 48 hour film project, which you may f- be familiar with, may not, yeah, I am. Um, a lot of people seem to participate in it. I'm a big advocate for it because I think it is a good place for anybody who, you know, somebody's listening to this and they're like, oh, I always want to try it out. I mean, dude just follow their Facebook page, go to their meetup events, like get involved that way. Cause I met a guy named Ed Wong who showed me the ropes on set. And then I started helping with their 48 team. And I met a guy who was also helping and didn't know anybody named Jeff Smee. Uh, his brother is Greg Smee from a uh, woman. It's like a band in Pittsburgh. I don't know if some people of but some people yeah. haven't. Um, and I met him and we like hit it off really well. And we became like creative partners. And like by a year later, we were like, we got second place. We got first place in the competition. Like, he's gotten best cinematographer. I've got best director. We, like, really turned things around quickly together. And Because our first movie had no credits. Like, no credit music. And the second one was, like, second place. Because we had such synergy as creative people. And then my friend Matt, who I've known for 20 years, helps me write the stuff. Matt Schultz. And he was part of it. So, it's like, I just found people who, like, resonated with me, you know? Yeah. And it's just, like, I just, I really felt like that was validation that what I was doing was a decent move because like I was seeing tangible results, you know, but even without it, I still would have pursued it because it felt right, you know, because I'm like, I'm like a person who is like eternally trapped in my youth. Like I'm always looking for that feeling of when like the world was new and like things seemed possible, you know, And it's tough in 2021 to feel that way. <laughs> totally. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> totally. And like going back to, you know, the way that I feel and all of those beginning points that we made at the top of the conversation i think back on when i was happiest as a creative person and a lot of it is that like post high school just figuring it out i didn't know anybody in the music scene i didn't really know anybody in the art world or the film world all of these like you know these areas of things that i was interested in but i just did shit with my friends to do it and there was like we had like myspace but like you logged on it every other day it wasn't like a A thing that's buzzing in your pocket all the time it wasn't anywhere near what social media is now so like i had time to just kind of get lost with my friends and like live and exist in this small bubble and like i was happier no i agree that in that realm of just being in this place where the outside world doesn't matter as much even if i like tell myself now that the outside world doesn't matter part of it still does it's still like been baked into my dna over the past decade yeah of like Giving more of a shit about what strangers think of me. I don't know what the fuck that is. Yeah, I mean, to to some extent, it's
1: true in that to be ultimately successful, you do have to find an audience that you appeal to. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, Uh that's that's a, like, a, to, to be successful in a, I guess, objective sense, like, you know, whatever you define success as, I guess, but if be financially successful via your hobby or your, your love would be you have to find an audience, you know? But, um yeah I mean I agree though because I had a period of life where I was back with my friends back home uh hanging out in our friend's attic like be- after I had dropped out of college before I went to art school where all we did was just like write and brainstorm potential stories and like it really was nothing other than just thinking of ideas but it was so fun you know like and I still value that time more than a lot of periods in my life you know I miss it a lot you know for sure.
0: So with you know your cartoonist comic book phase whatever we want to call that right you mentioned having like this you know Joan and Vasquez Jamie Hewlett sort of influence um I imagine that you had some sort of film influence as well from like wanting to do film were you like a movie dork growing up um
1: I would say yeah I guess yeah I mean Yeah, the stuff I liked, I liked real hard, yeah, and I would peruse IMDb and read the trivia and all that bullshit, stuff
0: I don't do anymore. I I guess, like, you know, the the ultimate question would be, you know, in the way that you realize that maybe, like, your influence was seeping in too much into your cartooning, do you ever come across that with filmmaking? um, Not as much, no, because I feel
1: like I have always been sort of dreaming up stories and things I wanted to do. Like, a lot of the ideas I still want to pitch based on how well Boonies does, um, <laughs> are ideas that I may have even thought of that I've been thinking over for 15 years, you know? Yeah. So, like, I, I feel like, creatively, most of us are just a composite of our influences with our own sort of flair thrown on it. And I don't think that it is a bad thing, because that's what culture is, is shared ideas and shared influences. You totally, know what I mean? Totally, totally. So, like, I don't think that's a bad thing. But um, I think my influences... I would proudly wear them on my sleeve, you know, things I that influenced me as a filmmaker, the time period that influenced me as a filmmaker. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't see it as much with my comics. They were, I think they were, because I didn't have the heart in it the same way I have. I think that's I the answer I'm looking yeah. for. Like, I, it doesn't, I don't feel the burning that I feel when I make a movie or when I think of a movie idea. Like, that mm-hmm. comes from a pure, like deeper place in me. Like, that feels like a more pure form of expression
0: yeah I. I think that there's something that really bothers me about the way people like critique art whether it's somebody else's or their own and like this need incessant need for everything to be original yeah it's like possible. if you're trying to be different you're gonna be crap like yeah. you just have to not think about it and if it's you I, to- I always think about like food like there's nothing original about a cheeseburger. Yeah. But if you can make a really fucking good one, then whatever. Yeah, well you're I, not. Yeah. Dude, I, people I,
1: are gonna remember that more than they're gonna remember some like weird burger that has like like all <laughs> kinds of weird shit on it. And they're <laughs> like, that burger was like terrible. You know what I mean? if you get too original, yeah. they're gonna call you weird. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Like they're gonna call you weird. So it's just like, okay, so I'm either derivative or I'm weird. Right? Yeah. Like, I think that the, some people. The
0: main goal, at least with anything I've done, is just to be like Um, just be happy with what I do and be happy while I'm doing it and I think there's you know I'm not like a an incredibly spiritual person but I think that there's just like a certain energy that gets baked into your art yeah where like I think people can tell like if you're on stage performing if you're not into it people can see that shit or if you don't put it all into you know like a, a, an episode of a podcast or something like people can pick up on that. Energy yeah. And they're not going to, yeah, it feels di- they're not going to, yeah, they're something. not going to dig into it.
1: No, I agree. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, I see what you're saying. I mean, I, I can get a little woo, but I won't, but yeah, I agree though. I feel like there's a tangible energy if your heart's in it, you know, mm-hmm. both for you and the, both the producer of that and the consumer of that can detect, can feel that, you know? Yeah. I believe that
0: now with <laughs> the movie that you've just made, do you feel like talking about that at all? Do you feel like promoting yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, I guess well, it's let, probably let, a let, decent idea. Let the world know about this ding dong thing you did.
1: Um, it is called the boonies. Um, it was shot in Pittsburgh and areas of Somerset and some spots in Millville even um, where I live now. Um, it was, it, it was interesting. The story of the boonies is funny because I, I have another thing I had made called Theo and the professor. It was a web series that, uh, we kickstarted, raised like 11 grand for, and made seven episodes, got them on Amazon Prime. Or it's also on YouTube. And it's like a horror comedy show, like in the vein of like, like I don't know, it's hard to describe. It's like Colchak the Night Stalker from the 70s, meets like Erie, Indiana or something. Like okay. It has this like sort of fun energy. But um, these two guys, that one of them's really old, one of them's sort of young asshole, and they like have to investigate a monster for the week thing. And we did that, and we put it on Amazon, and we were making good money. And like good money for us at our level, we we're like, wow, it's getting organic, like like the algorithms on Amazon Prime, people were discovering it. We could see the stats raising. We we're like, oh my God, like this is there people are organically finding this show. And like we worked so hard on it for two freaking years, right? And then uh as it's apt to happen, the big guys decide to change the algorithm so as to it used to be that everything was equal, right? And you could um you could be found just as likely as uh, I don't know if that was on Amazon at the time, but episode of the X file, somebody watches it. Like they might refer like supernatural and our show in the people who also watched, not that any of these shows I think were on at the same time, but um, then they changed it. So it became this view structure and the more views you got, the more likely you were to be recommended. So all that really does is recommends all the big, big boys and all the yeah. indie people get buried and dude, the minute that once you know, the minute that algorithm Like, the day it was going to go into effect, our our graph, like, plummeted, like, straight line down. Oh, man. After two years of work and so much love and effort, and, like, I really believed in the show. I loved the show, and it really hurt. Like, it was a burn, dude, you know? And I was just like, what am I going to (laughs) do, right? Like, damn. And we just sort of, me and Smee and Matt and our other creative partners, we were all just sort of thinking about what the next thing to do was. And Smee discovers on Craigslist, he finds a post from two dudes from Somerset County in Johnstown area or whatever, who one of them used to work in the film industry and they want, they're older now. So they want to fund a film from indie film people in Pittsburgh. And I replied, it's crazy, right? And I I reply to the ad Uh and he meets with me and they'd met with like 10 other people and they liked our idea, which they wanted to make a low budget horror movie. That's what they wanted. Cool. So I pitched this like cannibal redneck horror movie cause I haven't seen one in a while and they liked it. So they were going to fund it and like these two dudes produced it and I wrote it uh, with Matt. Me and Matt wrote it. I directed it. I did all the sound design um, and Smee shot it and we had like a 35 person crew. It was like the biggest thing I ever worked on was in terms of professionalism Yeah, and like making sure all your t- eyes are dotted and T's are crossed and like well-produced. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. You know, and then we finished it and it got picked up by Indicator in LA and it's got a national VOD release. So it's like, you know, if you pulled up an Xbox or Google play or anything like a cable on demand, it's on there. So, I mean, people can watch it for five bucks or buy it for 10 or 20. I can't remember, but on any video on demand platform, it is available and it gets a physical release on in Best Buy and Walmart on July 27th. Cool. And it's just like, crazy <laughs> like you know and yeah I went from feeling like it's fun it's how life can go sometimes like I went from being like god damn it the biggest thing I ever worked on what I thought would be this web show that I could like turn into like a show pitch maybe on. You know, like, I had this whole dream for that show just getting stonewalled by corporations and being like god damn it till like a year and a half later like getting a big deal, you know, like perseverance, I guess is key in any creative endeavor. Cause you never know what's around the next corner. It could be a massive disappointment or it could be a huge windfall, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I think there's a lot of interesting things to talk about in the realm of like, what is success and how do we define success? And also like, what do we define as like a failure or like yeah. a misstep? Right. Um, I think that with myself, you know, I find it really hard sometimes again like you put all this time into something and like you're like why didn't this work you know like I think it's easy to be like okay like in your case which it's probably very very true uh algorithms change and that fucks with a lot of people right but I think another problem too is it sometimes some people that I know like here's a here's a good example I somebody that I'm friends with on Facebook was talking about how um they think it sucks that their band doesn't make any money off of Spotify streams and things like that. And I'm like, yeah, that does suck. Right. Like yeah. terrible. But I went on their band Spotify and they have five monthly listeners. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay, okay. So wait, wait, wait a second here. Like there's only five people yeah. that are maybe listening to how your band. You? So yeah. How, why are you expected? Why are you letting this get to you? And yeah. there's like this other conversation where like, sometimes you got to tell yourself, like maybe my band isn't good. Maybe, the song that I wrote is not good. That's why it's not working. You yeah. know, it's like, or maybe it's not necessarily good or bad as subjective, but you're just not connecting with the audience. You know, wrong time, right product, wrong time. Like yeah. there's always like those movies that, you know, ten years later it becomes a cult classic, right? Yeah. That happens. Maybe like, maybe your TV show will become a cult classic. That would be right. After after, really after uh show. <laughs> after uh after the movie does well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would, I would love that, and that that's what's weird too is that the movie. Like, since we got the we got we got picked up from the people in LA and stuff, and Lionsgate did the distribution too, so like it was big big deal. But I have no idea how well it's doing or not well it's doing or anything because they don't tell you until the quarter closes and they do all the math and they do all that shit, which is like the first week of August because it came out in April. So I'm just been like hanging out, being like. Hope it did well' because <laughs> like like however it makes will dictate how big of a project I could like move on to or pitch in the future or whatever, uh-huh. so it's very weird, like like limbo to be like floating in like, whoa, what's going on next? you know that is weird for sure, but yeah, I mean at least it got this far, that's what I think, like yeah, at least got this far, I mean, that's more than a lot of people at my level of this career could say, sure so, like. That's, I'm, I'm happy with it, you know?
0: Now, in terms of, like, the creative process, like, you know, I find that being primarily a music dork, that's what I do. I'm writing songs. So, like, these little three, four, five-minute blips of entertainment, like, on a consistent basis. And I get together weekly with people, and we play these songs over and over and again, right? But when you're making a movie or anything that's film-related, that's kind of a different skill set. And, like, how do you necessarily, like, practice or rehearse or sharpen your chops for, like, getting behind the camera? Is there a way to do that? I mean, it's really – it comes down to, I guess, just, like – learning film
1: is really just freaking doing it, right? So it's – even if it's just five-minute short films or something, like – I think that's one reason I really liked the 48-hour film project. Cause Me, Our team, like me, Smee, Matt, and anybody who'd done it with us, we did it for a couple of years, and there was two a year. And um, I was such an advocate for it that when the previous person, the city producer, Camila Adams, left, I actually br- took over for two years and helped run it for the city. Um, a guy, PJ Gaynor, does it now, and he's doing a great job. But, like, I, I, that's why I'm such an advocate for it, because what it does is it forces you to make something in 48 hours and like you don't know what it's going to be because yeah. you, you get a random genre and every team gets the same prop character line of dialogue but you have no idea what you're going to make and you're forced to do it and then you're sort of like compared amongst you know you're they show it on a theater and people vote so like you're you're sort of like you, you you see how you compare to peers you know also doing it and i think that was a really healthy way to practice it for sure especially for us i mean that's really that was like our school of it really because like, you know, Smee self-taught, I'm Smell self-taught, like Matt self like none of us professional training in any of these <laughs> things, but we, he's been doing it for 10 years. Like I've been doing it now for seven, like, and it's just, it came down to just doing it. So, and if you're not doing something like the 48, it's just trying to make it over and over and just try to do a little better every time. Like just try to improve, like watch it over and over and just sort of be like, uh, I guess the sound could be better. And how do I make sound better? Like is it the equipment? Is it how we did it? You know, all like, oh, the the cuts are pretty rough, you know. You can see what's, you know, and I I've also been a big advocate of, especially if you're doing horror. Um, I don't always want to do horror forever, but watching bad horror movies, bad horror movies is a great education because you can sort of be like, what didn't work here? Like, why am I sure. not feeling this? Is it the pacing? Is it the sound? Like, like what are the elements that make me feel like this doesn't work versus a movie that does? You know, and mm-hmm. like I feel like that helps a lot. Is just
0: sort of looking stuff and trying to figure that out that way. But yeah, I think that I've definitely, uh, everything's a learning experience. And, you know, uh, sometimes if I'm at a show and we're getting ready to play and I'm watching, maybe there's a band that's opening up might be a younger band objectively good or bad. Who knows? Maybe I'm not feeling it. Maybe they're a little under rehearsed or just under experienced And like, you know, especially when I was like coming up, I would always like watch bands like, okay, that person looked really dumb when they did that. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't say that. Don't, you know, (laughs) take notes on the things that other people were doing that kind of make you cringe. It's true. And like internalize
1: that. Right. No, it's true. Cause it helps you sort of, it sort of helps you moderate your own behavior. Like, you know, that's a great point. Like, especially for, uh, uh, performers like you, you know, like performers like yourself to, to sort of be like, Oh oh i didn't like that and then it can help you sort of check yourself you yeah know? we always got to be checking ourselves in this life you know yeah. one problem with i think uh modern society is social is the echo chambers that social media allows creates a a epic like a uh an epidemic of people not fucking checking themselves
0: <laughs> sure <laughs> right i i used to joke all the time about like uh i think it would be not a bad idea if on social media platforms like whenever you go to post something there's like a 5 minute timer before yeah, it actually that would posts not be. yeah <laughs> and then like, are you sure you still want to say this thing on the yeah. internet to thousands of people yes or no
1: yeah i mean that would do a lot like <laughs> and that that exact notification worded that way like yes or no like are you still sure like uh maybe not you know maybe i'll look like a colossal <laughs> asshole yeah. or like ignorant person uhhuh yeah i agree
0: you know, with uh, collaborating and working with other people, it's something that it took me a long time to get comfortable with. But eventually you get to a certain point where you have to collaborate with other people as a creative, especially if you're making fucking movies, right? Yeah, I man. So have to do. what is that, like, teamwork and sharing responsibility thing like for you? Do you find that it's easy to work in teams? Or are you, like, a control uh, I enjoy it,
1: definitely. Um, I have... I'm an advocate of the directing style of I don't remember where I heard it or whatever, but I always say it that like 50% of the job of a director is what you want in enforcing your vision, right? I think a good director listens to the ideas of everyone around them and knows in their head what they think the vision should be. And here the ideas you hear that enhance the vision you use and the ones you hear that you don't like you you can filter them as like that's actually makes that that strengthens the vision and that one detracts from it you know sure. and like half of it is just listening to everyone else's ideas and applying the ones that you think will improve it you know mm-hmm. like i i am i f- far be it from me i do not think that like you know i'm Ultimate authority when I do it. Like, I'm very open to everyone's ideas, and I, I encourage everybody on my sets, which is probably why people like to always come back to my sets. I like to be like, whatever you're doing for this movie, that's yours. Like, if you're lighting it, if you're shooting it, if your costume, your music, like that is like your yeah. piece, you know?
0: I think it's important uh, to let people know and give up the right amount of control. At least, like, being in a band, it's like I had this epiphany one day where it was like, you know, I have all of these people around me and I agree to work with them because I trust them. I think they're really good at what they do. Yeah. So let them fucking do it. Yeah. You know, like why why would you bring all of these talented people that have these various skill sets on board and then like, no, you're gonna do everything the way that I wanna do it. You're almost better just finding like worker ants to just yeah. do whatever you're gonna do.
1: Like what's the point of even collaborating then?
0: You yeah. Know? Like- you know, with um actors and actresses and things like that. Now that's something that I imagine for me, if I were to ever make a movie, um, I made I tried to make a horror movie in high school. And uh it was really just because I wanted to score a movie, but yeah. I didn't know anybody that made movies. Yeah. So me and my friends made a shitty movie with Camcorders. The score. It looks like oh. shit. Sounds great. That's cool. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, um, the thing is, though, like, I think that the thing that was always really intimidating about it was finding people that could be in the movie. Granted, we were in high school. We were friends. Like, I didn't know there's no casting calls or things like that or even finding people that can do it. But acting can be really, really hard, I think, and finding good actors or actresses. Right. So what's your experience been like finding people that in that realm? Because, like, those are the people that, like, make or break what you're doing regardless of how good the story is or how good the lighting is or how good the cinematography is. Like that, that really makes everything. Um,
1: I feel like in Pittsburgh, there's a surprisingly, I mean, I don't know how things are as much with now that COVID has happened or whatever, but I'm sure it's still the same where there's a pretty healthy film scene in Pittsburgh. Um, and there's a lot of people looking to act, a lot of people looking to be in things and, they're always paying attention to what everyone's doing and then participating in things like the 48 helps sort of showcase who you are and let people see who you are and the kind of things you can make so i found that uh people would often gravitate towards us and talk to us at events or things like that like networking is very important in film so you know if you do something like the 48 or you go to a film festival you stick around afterwards and talk to people you know yeah and you know um i found it easier to find people at first i just sort of i think i had a good intuition and people who would gel well with us and would write when i wrote we wrote characters we would sort of write with specific people in mind but at this point i'm able to actually do casting calls and have auditions so for boonies we actually auditioned our cast and selected them from auditions um but i've had a pretty good experience in finding i mean i had one really bad actor that like you know made, not like bad in quality but bad in their personal life but it's like a whole different thing all together but for the most part i found people were uh, great to work with and they were hungry and that's that's important you know if an artist is hungry they really put Mm -hmm. themselves out there more you know yeah and i've had great experience with my actors and i i am the type of person where i'm a character director so when i have an actor i tend to flesh out the person's understanding of that character very thoroughly and i encourage the actor to sort of put themselves into it and like put their own spin on it which i think a lot of actors when they hear that they're like oh man I love that, and that's, like, what they're looking to do. So I think giving them that freedom, but then giving them the amount of, like, an, enough information as to, like, so, as because I'm a director-writer, so everything I've ever directed I've had a hand in writing in, you know? So I'm always sort of, like, this is the goal of, like, this character. This is, like, what this character's, like, what they're, like, with Boonies, for instance, it's about a bunch of campers that, you No, know, one of the stories is two parallel stories. One of the stories is a group of campers goes out to the woods, and the one guy brings his brother, and the brother doesn't want to be there, but he's there because it's like a celebration of his upcoming wedding. They're like sort of weird, like like outdoorsy hit people, so that's like what they do instead of a bachelor party. Yeah, and he's like the odd duck. And every actor there, like no knew the the history of how they knew that central character Will. Like if they're friends of him, they knew how long or for why where they met. They knew like their relationships with each other. So like when they acted, it came through because like they knew what i expected and like it wasn't just like these are the lines on a page this is what they're feeling yeah. it was like there's they knew a mental history of the character behind it you know and it's just like i think actors respond really well to that kind of thing and then you tell them to like you know you're like you're super talented you know what you're doing like do your own little spin on it and then like encouraging when you see things you like and you can sort of craft them that way where you're like that was really like you see something on the monitor and then you talk to them and you're like oh that you know, what you made Marcus do there is exactly the kind of thing I'm expecting Marcus. And then they have more information, you know. It's about feeding them information so they can make educated decisions as an actor, you know? Yeah.
0: Now, with directing a wide variety of people, do you find that it's almost like needing to learn, like, different, air quote, languages? Like, because everybody Some. has, like, different ways of how... They understand things. I find that a lot, especially with songwriting. Yeah. And like, you know, what one person considers a verse or something is what somebody will be like, Oh, that's called this or that. Like there's all these different things. Yeah. You have that sort of thing with dealing with people in the movies. Yeah, that
1: definitely is, is something I mean, actors, especially because some of them need more direction than others. And then with crew and stuff, you don't, some of them are more professionally taught. Like they went to school for it. And some of them are more indie folks. They're just sort of learning. So, like, some of them expect you to have a knowledge that, frankly, you don't have if you're self-taught. Like, you don't know these terms. And so me and I have a weird way of just making up our own terms. So if you're on a set, you have to, like, learn the way we work. Fair enough. You know? So, yeah, definitely. I
0: think that, you know, ultimately, it probably requires a lot of patience, right? Yeah. Dealing with things so you don't blow up and become one of those, like, viral directors that's on a set yelling at everybody. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, just being a total ass. So, have you found the patience that's required to get a film done successfully? Has that leaked into your normal life at all? Or were you already, like, a patient, understanding person going into this? Um, uh, <laughs> I guess
1: it... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a pretty laid-back guy these days i don't know if i always was in my 20s and stuff no but uh yeah it definitely had a role because i've put myself through a lot of projects and doing those projects required an immense amount of self-discipline and self-motivation and patience and determination and they knock you down you get back up you know so it really has influenced my life in my 30s a lot um i just sort of don't really let a lot of everyday stresses get to me that I think get to most people because I have lived a life of almost 10 years now of constant, like, discipline and determination, just sort of being like, hey, you just got to keep doing it. You just have to keep getting up and moving, you know, and, like, totally making it happen. And living a life that way can definitely create a more mindful state of mind in your everyday life, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. where you sort of value the little victories and don't really sweat the small failures, you know? But yeah, I mean, it has definitely the short answer. I mean, more than just the patience. I think a lot of the virtues I had to learn to successfully get larger scale things made, you know, cause like being the professor took two years. None of us paid. We didn't pay like we didn't pay anybody. You no know, we expected to get paid. We're all just doing it for the love. You know, we took two years to do it, you know, like consistent effort. So it's just like a kind of large scale effort definitely has an effect on you you know
0: yeah i think that sometimes people understandably so if you're not like in a certain realm of whatever it is you're engaging with i think a lot of people take for granted how much effort goes into a lot of things and sometimes like i might talk to somebody and they're like it really took you a year to get that album done and i'm like yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> it's tough yeah i think the other thing too is like while it may be a year, I mean, I don't know what your schedule is like, but I can't work on music, you know, 16 hours a day, seven days a week, because like I have a job and other responsibilities in life outside of what I'm doing. Even if like all I want to fucking do is work on music, I just like realistically can't. There's like things that if I abandon or avoid, then I can't do anything. Yeah. (laughs) Life happens. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You know, so how do you balance this, uh, It's like, it also becomes interesting when like what you're working towards is like your passion, like your business and play are kind of like, it's all starting to meld together. Right. Yeah. So I want to ask like, well, how do you balance like, you know, a work life scenario? But like, I can't answer that question because it's all the fucking same. Like everything that makes me happy is like in some way attached to my work. Yeah. And that's kind of weird. Like, it's awesome. But also, if you're not careful, I think it could be very, very bad. Yeah,
1: you burn out real quick. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely experienced burnout more than a few times, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to gotta make sure you find at least something outside of your, out, at least outside of whatever work or passion or whatever. You got to have some sort of thing that's purely just a hobby, you know? Yeah. And just for you, Even, a, even if it's just like getting outside or something.
0: What is Lance's hobby?
1: Uh, my hobby, I'm real big on going outdoors and getting away from everything. Um, I am, I'm pretty surprising. Most people don't even realize it, but I get into, I get into games sometimes like PlayStation because it's just, I like to check out, but I don't like to passively watch things. I like the engagement. I play single player stuff alone. Um, yeah, I mean, it's usually just getting outside or playing a game or working on my stuff. It's like my whole life, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Do you have any outdoor spots within the area that you would recommend to somebody that's maybe looking to get out, get out there?
1: McConnell's mills. It's like 40 minutes away, but God damn, isn't gorgeous. Like love McConnell's mills. Me and my girlfriend go there a lot. Um, surprisingly that raccoons state parks pretty nice too yeah people go to that a lot but connell's mills is probably my favorite i mean giant boulders like i go bouldering and stuff there and stuff what is bouldering it's just it's like it's not quite mountain climbing because (laughs) like you're not going as vertical but it's more like it's more like it's sort of like interesting it's like physical activity but it's very much for the problem solving mind where it's like i want to figure out how to get there and how do i get to it you know and because like there's a lot of I don't know if it was a giant river at some point. There's massive, like, boulders and rock formations there and stuff. So it's, like, a mix. It's, like, halfway between hiking and rock climbing where you're just sort of, like, testing yourself to see if you can really reach something Uh on your own volition, you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: When you were younger, you mentioned like how so much of these things that you're interested in are tied to like nostalgia. Did you play in the woods or outdoors a lot as a kid? I grew up in the woods. Okay, that's right. That's right. That makes
1: sense. Like, I mean, I I had it was a town. I wasn't like super rural. I grew up in like a. Very New Englandy looking town, but my house, my dad's house, was like right outside of town. We we're surrounded by the forest, we were battling creek, and stuff. So he still lives there. It's gorgeous, but I grew up like surrounded by the forest. So, so
0: you know, is like because like bouldering kind of sounds like uh like like a grown up playing in the woods sort <laughs> of type is. of thing, right? Yeah, it
1: definitely is. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Do you have uh you know any uh fun? maybe somewhat unexpected stories from being in the woods. You ever come across anything that may be like a horror movie or is anything in the woods given you inspiration for anything that you've done or written? Well, oh, I
1: mean, the movie I made is entirely in the forest. I mean, I, I think one of the reasons we got picked up was the distributor was so surprised how effectively a low budget did horror in the daytime in the woods, uh-huh. which is weird, you know? So, I mean, the entire environment I grew up in, um, influenced that movie because <laughs> like i don't I love the woods so what better place to shoot than in the forest you know but um i mean i don't know if i mean i've been out a lot but like have i ever experienced anything particularly like crazy or wild like no i'm actually thinking about it. i don't know if i have
0: you haven't even like come across like the 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 dusty nudie mag or anything like that
1: oh yeah i mean Back home, like, you would find, like, you could find places in the woods where people had probably spent time partying, like, five to ten years prior. Uh So, you find, like, relics of, like, high schoolers past, and you're just sort of like, whoa, (laughs) this is, like, wild shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Magazines and beer cans that don't exist anymore, and, like, Uh it's fun to sort of, you know, it would be fun to sort of just, like, think about who are these people and, like, what were they like and what were they doing, you know? And they were out here, too, you know? like that was always kind of cool there used to be a big scary house near maybe this influenced boonies too i don't know but there used to be a house you could get to through my forest and it was this old farm that uh was no longer it was owned by somebody but it was like it was like out of like nobody used it anymore but it was this old red house we called the red house and in the front of it had a grove of trees that were all dead and you'd go into it and the whole place was in disrepair the old the shit from like the early in the 60s and 50s were still in it. And like, there was like farm equipment from like, that looked like stuff from the forties or something rusted and like in weeds and like falling over barns. I mean, that shit was pretty wild going. That was a place you'd take people to like freak them out at night. You know what I mean? Like I, the, the red house. Yeah. We called the red house. And now I'm sitting here being like, I made a movie. About the a Amazon and Amazon
0: prime original. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I'm like, <laughs> here and now I'm like, I made a movie about a scary house in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> like maybe that got in my brain more than I think.
0: Yeah, you know. Uh, so in terms of doing things outside of horror, you had mentioned that you don't want to do horror forever.
1: Yeah, I'm not like you know. Those are these people that they like live it, you know. Sure, that, sure, I, sure. I don't know if I'm one of those. People. I think
0: it's. I mean, I is somebody that you know. I'm still doing like heavy metal music it's like in my dna i mean i do other stuff outside of it but like i feel like no matter what i'm always going to be in a fucking metal band yeah to some degree you know it's like you know metal and horror tied a lot in a lot of different oh, ways. Yeah. a lot of the same demographic right yeah, similar motifs often, what yeah. would you want to do like what would be like the primary genre of something that you would like to shoot
1: I mean, it's not, it's funny because it's like, I don't want to get into horror, but like, it sounds weird to say, but I mean, thriller is more, okay, like more grounded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like I, I so far people who know me in Pittsburgh's film scene, i have become associated with horror because it's all I've really done. Sure. And I can do it effectively. I mean, uh, our movie Daisy did really well back in the day and I made this web series it's horror comedy and boonies is horror and like I can do it effectively and I'm a huge fan of seventies horror. Um. Uh, most people are in 80s horror now but I'm really in the 70s horror and if you watch the boonies it's pretty obvious I'm in the 70s horror because I tried to make it feel like a modern 70s horror movie it's got that sort of I like the like um like 70s horror feels like dangerous you know like real like yeah. the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre Hills Have Eyes Last House on the Left these are the sort of movies that influenced the boonies Yeah, And I tried to give it that feel.
0: Yeah, I think that there was, the 80s really introduced, like, the fantasy element into horror, which is cool and it's fun. But it definitely left the plane of reality. Yeah, and the gore became more, like, extravagant and, like, showy. You know, it's funny, the same thing happened with, like, metal. In a lot of ways. Oh, like if yeah. you think about, like, traditional metal, it was all, like, a little bit more grounded. But over time, it's gotten more and more extreme. Like and how do we... And theatrical. And, like, everything has to top the next. And it happened with horror, too. Yeah,
1: it did. But I liked the more, like, the rawness of 74. Sure, horror, you sure, know? sure, sure. I liked when you, like... I mean, like is a strong word. I liked it because it messed with my head. You know what I mean? Like, I like I, I remember it more because it messed with me, like things like Last house on the left and stuff like the scenes felt like you shouldn't be seeing this, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I liked that. Like I thought that was more effective in terms of the word horror and even supernatural stuff. Like i like the exorcist a lot. It was made in the seventies, you know? And, um, but that's why, I mean, I would like to, to go to your original question. Um, well, some of my upcoming like, ideas I'd like to pitch are more in the vein of, more thriller like human nature being the 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 scary thing like things people really do like things that are like happening around us things that people get away with things that like i want to explore i want to explore more moral gray areas sure and like like ramifications of violence and how it really affects people not yeah horror movies where it's like oh this is scary like more things like violence is traumatic you know well there's
0: that movie remember hard candy
1: yeah yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Uh, yeah.
0: That's what I'm that's like the first thing that came to mind.
1: Yeah, really. Like I mean, there was definitely in the 2000s there was a subgenre of horror that got into this kind of more thriller stuff and I liked the uh, French horror from the t- 2000s which would explore the ramifications of violence a lot and like because violence is fucked up, you know. And I would, like I'm, I'm attracted to the idea of exploring it in a serious way. Yeah, you know,
0: there's like, a there's a French film, Martyrs. That
1: <laughs> I mean, okay, so you are familiar exactly what I'm talking about? Yeah. New French Extreme. Yeah, like Martyrs is a influential movie on me. Sure, for sure. Yeah. um, Irreversible, like the yeah, Gaspar Noe, like the the stuff. The stuff of that martyrs was born from. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff I'm talking about yeah. inside. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, they're they're insane movies. Like I don't know if I want to go as far as they go. Yeah, you know, but yeah. their their way of shooting it grounded, but then presenting you with like yeah you know, traumatic things like is is affecting. I think mean, you find very affecting. martyrs
0: is so wild to me because it's it so is, wild. It's so undeniably extreme, right? Yeah, but if you get through that you're like wow this is a really like grounded interesting cool story yeah it's intense but like it really gets in your brain i agree and like even though it is like really gory and fucking wild definitely wild but it doesn't like lean on that as the gimmick it's like no. that movie could be a quarter of as gory as it is and i don't think it would be any worse of a movie exactly it would still be a great movie
1: it's a well-made film and it presents yeah. um it presents things about the human experience to you and it make it asks questions about life. Like I don't wanna you know spoil the ending, but like <laughs> just like that question, like you end up actually being like you're you're first like, oh, this movie's fucked up. And then by the end, you're like, Am I am I sort of in sp- like what are they saying at the end like yeah. you're trying to answer the question that it's, it's like positing
0: it's weird it's like it's like three different stories like yeah. you think that movie ends two like, you know, <laughs> then, then, then like oh no there's another fucking 45 minutes <laughs> yeah. and it's like going in this completely other place where it just gets like more and more like yeah meta and artistic but really narrows in on the story yeah i mean it starts I'm, out like a, it's like a really simple gory revenge thing right and you're like, right. whoa this is fucked up and like The first time I watched it, I was not ready. It's like one of those things, like I watched it by myself, and immediately I'm like, I need to get a hold of everybody that I know. (laughs) Like, who has seen this?
1: Exactly. Like, it's funny you'd seen it, because I I was going to mention it, but usually I mention the movie, and people are like, I don't don't know what you're talking about. So this time, I chose to not mention it, (laughs) and then you brought it up. Sure. But I I actually, I had seen it, and then um, The Row House in Lawrenceville, the one Halloween, like two years ago, or whatever, Uh, It was like 2019, yeah. They were showing it. Right, so I got together like seven people, and I did not tell them what the movie was going to be. Like, I, all I told them, I was like, I was like, you need to be prepared. This movie is wild, and it has definitely got some fucked up stuff in it. And that's all I told them. Yeah. And then after we did it, we like, and I picked yeah, different friends to- into totally different things. And then we went to Thunderbird or something like right afterwards and drank. And do we talked about that movie and the question and what some of the stuff they're trying to say means. You know, like that sort of vague ending that it has. Like, uh-huh. we were, like, talking about that movie for, like, 45 minutes to an hour straight right after we watched it. And it's, like, that's the, you know, that's, it, like you're saying, like, it's not just, like, some torture porn movie. It's, like, it makes you actually ask questions and you think about it and it sticks with you. Like, yeah. you think about that movie for, like, a couple of days afterwards. You're just sort of like, what the you know? Like, uh-huh. Yeah, so I, 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 that's what I did. I found people and I made them watch it because I had I had to know what other people thought. You know, like yeah, like I had to know. I couldn't just be the only person I knew that saw this movie. You know.
0: Yeah, I think that you know the interesting thing um, with movies like that is I think a lot of people don't necessarily they watch movies to check out. Yeah, and that like that's not one that you check out. Oh no, it pulls it, it, you back. Yeah, in. you're, like, you're throwing you're throwing a lot at people with yeah. that you know but yeah I think I I love stuff like that um I think even though I I tried to make a movie in high school I think like film nowadays is the one thing that like I try to stay reasonably disconnected from it so I could still enjoy, enjoy it. it
1: yeah it definitely affects your enjoyment yeah, when you start yeah. doing it
0: I mean I still have I think it's inevitable that like I can watch something and nitpick something, but it doesn't happen as much with movies as it does with like music. Like, yeah, like the mix on that sucks. But if I'm like watching a movie and something's lit weird or like there's a cut that feels real jarring, I'm like, that was weird. But then I just keep going. I'm like, whatever.
1: Yeah. Um, it's for me, it's more, it's just like, I spent so much time making it. I like, don't even want to like, I'm just like not as interested in interacting with it beyond that. You know what I mean? Like it becomes a thing where it's like, I'm a producer of this content. I'm now I'm less interested in consuming it. You know, like I'm, I know, I know a shit ton about movies from like 1993 to like 2008, but like, I really drop off like in the last like five years or so because it's
0: really hard to keep up. Yeah. I just sort of
1: watch things that really stick out to me, but there's a lot. I don't people. I think I make movies and they expect me to know a lot about them now, but it's just like, sometimes I just, I want to do something different. Sure. You know, like... I mean,
0: I have a hard time keeping up with new albums.
1: Oh, my God. There's so much content in everything these days. Yeah,
0: it's, it's like, I feel like it was a lot... I knew more back when I actually had to go out of my way to find things somehow. Yeah. Now that, like, it's all on my phone. I agree. I'm just like, i like, I'll get to it later. Yeah, with music. I used to have
1: to, like, I used to have to, you know, buy the album or I would, like, you know... Download them and create the album just because I'd look up the track listings and find oh, like yeah. MP3 and make a two 3 mega CD. And then, uh-huh. like, I had much, a much much stronger relationship with each individual album and stuff. And now it's like I'll know a song because I heard it on Spotify. It was recommended to me. And then I'll go to, like, because it'll come on my random a lot. And then one time i actually want to listen to it. And I'll realize that I have no idea who the artist was of that song. And I listen to it all the time. And I don't even know the artist, much less the whole album. Uh, That's weird to me. Yeah. Because I used to be the guy that, you know, I knew every album from every band I liked. And, like, the order of them. And, like, and I I get you. Same. You're just sort of like, now it's like everything's all about the, the single tracks and not the actual. Yeah.
0: I used to be so nerdy about everything. So, and, like, now I'm very much, like, whatever. Like, my movie collection used to be alphabetized by director. Oh yeah. And now like, I've moved a few times and now everything's like not even in barely order. It's in like, like loose alphabetical in, just in the wall. Like yeah. whatever, I'll find it. Like I just don't care anymore. Yeah, I agree. I and don't even, like, I don't even know,
1: buy physical movies anymore. Like the stuff I have is the same stuff I've had for the last like yeah. 15 years or Same
0: almost. same. There's it has to be Really, 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 something for me to like go out of my way to obtain a physical copy of it. I agree, yeah. But I will say, for the past couple of years, I've been getting better about making time to like watch movies, whether it's like catching up with old things that I've like haven't watched in a while, or I've never seen, or watching new things as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I you definitely know? do. It's just I think people are often surprised at how much I don't these days, but I still do. I mean, yeah. Well,
0: it's impossible to like do what you're doing and engage with things at the same time right yeah Yeah, it's it's it could be really really difficult yeah you know so with everything right now we're waiting for the quarter to end to see how the boonies did yeah it's first
1: quarter right right. like oh my god so
0: what are you doing in the meantime creatively like right now are you working on stuff behind the scenes or is it just like downtime right now taking a break Um, after getting a
1: movie done it's definitely a lot of downtime um part that's part of it but i am working on um i'm working on a couple different treatments you know like five page sort of a movie written almost like a short story like to to pitch as a idea then i can write a script around it so i'm doing a few treatments and it's like four i think i'm really focusing on and each one is sort of aimed at what i view to be a different budget range based on how well boonie seems to be doing because unfortunately that will dictate what i can do if boonies make significant money against what the guys you paid for put in, then I become somebody who is a p- profitable person. So I can go to somebody and be like, well, if those guys gave me this and it made that, what could I do for, you know, a million or two million? You know? Yeah. And, like, if not, though, and I'm still where I'm at and I'm still scraping by at indie stuff. So I have a couple treatments that I, you know, will shop around to either private or, stu- like, private investor or studio based on what I think they, I could do, you know? So I just want to have my bases covered for when i find out and then i have like one little um one i have a i have a little like purely creative project i'm going to start working on the fall here that is just for me and for Smee and for matt and for all of us that i've been working with for us to just do it again for the reasons we used to do it just to sure. do it, you know just to like get in touch with like the same the, th- the same people who are doing this Years ago, and all the people I've worked with, there's a group of people I tend to work with a lot. Like, all of us. Like, why we started doing this in the first place? Just to make things. And just to make it, just to make it. But now, with the knowledge we've all learned since we used to just start, you know? Yeah.
0: I think it's important to stay sharp, right? Like, you gotta fucking... Gotta keep on. Keep keep on on on. the ball, right? I agree. Otherwise, like, you'll lose it. That's kind of what I was talking about in terms of how often can you, like, rehearse what you're doing or keep sharp, right? Yeah. Because you're not, like unless you're just like going out and filming shit and editing it just to do it. Yeah. But it, like, it's, it's a lot of effort.
1: There's no, I mean, you I mean, really though, I mean, you and a group of three people could make a pretty decent thing. that's five minutes long and yeah. you should, you know, like that's what I'm just going to try to keep, stay sharp, especially now that the pandemic seems to have at least got to a point where you can do things with people again. So and people
0: won't look at you weird. You yeah. could have been doing things with people the yeah. whole time, but people like, would think Whoa. you're like a, yeah, like, a heathen
1: well, like what are you doing but now you can sort of go out and do things and film things you so know so, supposed dude, to stay sharp.
0: this has nothing to do with what we're talking about but it's just so funny how people are because like one of the loudest people on my facebook feed about people like um like you know wearing masks and not being around people and being safe which that's cool if that's your fucking jam the second things were okay. There's like a picture of him with his shirt off around a bunch of people online. Like there we go. I'm like, <laughs> like how are you? The loudest, you know. Yeah. Like don't do this. And then you're the first fucking half naked person I see on Facebook once it's okay. Right. You know. I
1: mean, people are just people. Just don't ever know what the fuck they're doing, dude. <laughs> I mean, it's just like my my mantra my mantra for life and the way I view the world. Like my worldview is, and I am not exempt from this. Um, I feel like people are just. Everybody is just full of shit, and the good life is to minimize the amount of shit you are full of. Like, that's just what I feel like. Okay. You know, like everybody has a little bit of it. There's, you know, 60 something logical fallacies that play in your brain all the time, right? Like, that we're always combating against, right? So it's just like, you always got to check yourself, like we were talking about. So it's just people like that, like, you don't know. Like, does he know what he's doing? I don't know. You know, like, does he really? Like, or is he just saying stuff because it makes him feel like he's just doing whatever at that time is validating, you know, like, yeah, which is a, you know, if you're just trying to validate yourself all the time, you can get full of shit real quick.
0: (laughs) you know. (laughs) Yeah. I I think that is somebody who, you know, again, looping around to the beginning of this conversation, somebody who has an interesting time from day to day, figuring out who they are and what makes them happy and what they want to do. Yeah, I, I I'm trying to figure that out for myself. I can't possibly try to figure out anybody else, right? And you'll be figuring it out forever, <laughs> man. Like that's yeah,
1: that's the beauty of creativity is you never figure it out. It's just all it's a pursuit that is often rewarding, often disappointing, but it's just a constant hunt that you know never seems to end. But we keep doing it because we gotta, or else like,
0: what's the point, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, totally, totally. If I'm not if I'm not happy doing this, then why should I expect anybody else to be happy yeah. with me doing it, yeah, like yeah, it's why like sometimes like I feel bad because like I do this shit a lot where like on the podcast, I start talking about like I don't know why I fucking do this, I shouldn't say shit like that out loud, why not but- though you're, you're, why not though i mean you're yeah. you're
1: um you're you're openly exploring like the thoughts and feelings that you have and it helps you like, what if that's, what if that's a reason maybe you're doing this podcast, right? And like bring it full circle to where you're talking about the beginning. Like, what if that's a big reason you're doing, because it gives you a way to sort of work through these sort of things, oh, or definitely. Feelings, these demons. And there's, that is in my opinion, a perfectly good reason to continue doing it and to do it. Uh-huh. Like, if it helps you, if other people hear it and they like it, but for you, it helps you work through a lot of this stuff and, that's that's a very valid reason, and it's worth all the effort in the world because you're, you're exploring yourself. You're expressing yourself. You're sort of working through these things in your head with different people and different opinions all the time. Yeah. And that's a fantastic way to explore what you're going through, you know, with other varied opinions and thoughts and minds, you know, so – like, I don't know. I think you should keep on doing it. Oh, I'm going to keep doing it. keep on saying it out loud. I'm
0: going to keep on doing it. I think that... Uh, you have my, support, you have my uh, support for sure. All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, I, I've definitely... I go way out of my way to, to make the show happen. It's going to keep happening. It's just always the... Why am I doing this? And making sure it's for good reasons. Yeah. And reasons that are important. beneficial for everyone in the world around me. Because if I wanted to just be... Like, you know, one of these podcasts is just like one person talking at the camera. I could do that, but I don't want to do that. Yeah. It's not about me. It's about you and the 401 other episodes that we've done. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it's a great reason. I think it's great what you're doing, honestly. Well, thank you for coming by as we round the station. We've looped back around to the beginning of the conversation. We've been going over an hour. Uh, I think that we're good. Yeah. This is plenty of, plenty of conversation. Yeah. So... Let people know where they can find the boonies. Let the boonies. people know where they can find you and anything else that you want them to find.
1: Uh, the boonies is available video on demand, and that is um, what's that? My camera? <laughs> 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 uh, a video. Uh, it's available video on demand. You could rent it, buy it anywhere that you're probably thinking of. Um, Xbox Store, YouTube uh amazon like literally any digital platform we're on we'll be on physical if physical media is your thing best buy walmart july 27th uh theo and the professor we mentioned it like 15 times so look that up it's on youtube for free um it's on amazon but i think you have to pay for it now but it's for free on youtube check that out if you're into like kitschy funny horror stuff and you can find me really i don't engage uh with social media as much as i used to but you can find me on instagram at lance parkin it's really at this point the only thing i really update much
0: so uh yeah that's it cool well thank you for coming by and uh i'm gonna do an outro here and it's gonna go like this and that is all folks thanks so much for being here one more time lance parkin thank you i'll be back again next week with another episode same time same place same channel you know the drill my name is sykes start the beat 2021 Woo woo. Thanks for listening. And we're done. That's a podcast. We made it happen.
1: Good. That was great.
0: Cool. Thank you. (laughs) And this will just uh, fade out and...